This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. I wonder what it's like. That's a question that the team and volunteers of the International Neighborhood Network can often ask about the people we serve. As we reach people that have been brought to the U.S. by God with the gospel of Jesus, it's important to remember that all church planting happens with real people, with real stories. Today, I want to introduce you to one of those stories. Hi, um, my name is, uh, my full name is Kim Xianzang, and um, I am right now, I'm a, I'm a college student, and um, I'm from Myanmar, Burma. I've been to the United States as an immigrant six years ago, and yeah, I've been settling here pretty well, should I say. <laughs> like many of the people that we serve at the end, Kim doesn't want to be a refugee. He even described himself as an immigrant. But I think when you hear his story, you'll hear how much he went through. And while this is Kim's story and not every one of our friends' stories, we wanted to ask him what it was like. What did they experience as a family? The story that um, like all the other things that we have went through as a family back in the country uh, at the hometown, the thing that we face through discrimination um, within the governments and the family. As a Christian, uh, we are discriminated. Um, Was there violence? Yeah, there are persecution and and yes, um, so on. Like uh, for like uh, as a, as a town, uh, we would have to go through the process of their believings. So what were you forced to believe something? Yeah, yeah, you're forced to believe something basically uh, in order to get like a good job and all this stuff. And what's the what what's the faith that they impose? Uh they they impose themselves as a Buddhist. And so okay, actually uh, the thing that brought us here is uh it would go back with my father's um my father's uh, um what he went through. And so he has been working in the border uh kind of like um moving around the, the, the big logs uh, that has been car carried with the trucks and all this stuff. And so he has been driving all those trucks and all those cars. And um, he has been stopped a whole lot of time by the, by the army, basically, um, who has been working at the border, kind of like the border patrol people. And they just stop my dad every time that they see him or like every time they need it or every time they see they feels like it, basically. And so my dad one time decided to just uh, kind of like uh, not listen to the forcibly um, authorities that they trying to use against him and so on. Uh, my dad, he fled from the place. So I think it's important to explain right now that while Kim's father was driving across this border with these trucks, he was doing what we all hope to do. He would pick people up along the way and he would talk to them about the good news of Jesus. And so on, uh, my dad, uh, after he after he ran um, the, gov our, the army, um, they kind of like track us down where we live at. And so on, um, they came to nearby our like our hometown and so that uh, they can kind of like wait for my dad to be back. 
and so on. Yeah, uh, my dad and us, we can't really communicate. Over there, we don't really have like, any communication, like technology-wise, you know, we're really poor. And no cell phones at all, so after like three, four months, they kind of like um, um, give, up, give up on it. Three or four months. No contact with your loved one, no idea where they are, what they need, what's happened. And with a lifetime of people coming after you, what do you think? What do you do? Fortunately, uh, my my dad, he threw like a landline phone and then he told us that he's in Malaysia, that you know where he ran to. And um, unfortunately, he left his um, he left his ID, his license, driver license um, behind. After he contacted us, he kind of tell us like the whole process that we have to go through in order to get out of the, uh, basically our compound, like we said earlier. What do you do? You leave. And uh, after that one, we uh, we went all the way through like another city uh, where people where people might not know who we are or that the governments might not pay attention of our whole our family about. And so from there, uh, we are able to keep in touch with some ambassadors who might be able to get us with um, the UN, the United Nations, um, that they can get us a visa to get out of the country. Um, but yeah, that's, has, that's also has been a long process that we have to go through, um, that they have to um, confirm our identification that we are related to my dad and all. And so uh, after we went through all those, uh, we we got into the custody of the United States ambassador, ambassadors and um and then they put us in a place where we can where we can get um where we can get basically in touch with my dad at the same time uh, easier basically easier and so from there uh, we got like all the whole treatment um like basically healthcare and like um uh, and financially got help um even even though even though it's not much but it has been a lot, it's been a lot for us. One of the things most valuable to people from a Western background, like myself, is time. Even after hearing so many of these stories, I am always impressed by the amount of time passing. For myself, I might have been tempted to give up or pursue another solution. We started this story with the question, what is it like? One of the answers to that, it always takes a long time. So your father is, he's targeted by the military. He goes to Malaysia. Um, he's there for three months without you having any word whatsoever. He finally is able to get back to you. Um, he gives you instructions on how to get out and uh, you leave Myanmar. Do you go to Malaysia? Uh, no, not not yet. Um, so we, we have to still wait for like all the, um, for all the test results that you know we are related with my dad <laughs> and so and we still have to get identified by the uh, by the ambassadors that you know that we are really uh, from the from the country that you know that we said we claim to be and yeah for those test results to come back it takes us like six months for us somehow um they have to take it twice because we're not sure why but they told us okay we have to retake it again and so, yeah, <laughs> we wait longer than we think we would. Most people that are listening won't find it surprising that sometimes working with government organizations is not straightforward. Personally, I can find it difficult to pay my water bills sometimes. 
What would it be like to be in a foreign country having to navigate something so complex as a government organization? So you spend six months in... Still in Myanmar. Yeah, we wait in like the um, like the countryside of the Myanmar, uh, nearby the city, which is surprising. Were you hiding in the city? Was it safe for you to be in the city where you were? Oh yes, definitely, because you know we are under the custody of the uh, the ambassadors, the uh, the United States. Uh, yeah, they were looking after us. So, okay, yes. <laughs> so you so you were actually on U.S. soil. So you were in the U.S. embassy area, or you were. Yes, yes, we're in the soil of the United States. So now I'm hearing there's nine months without, with your dad still in Malaysia. So you're still in Myanmar, but now you are in uh, the U.S. Embassy. What happens then? Uh, so from there, um, we heard that our, my dad, uh, he has been working in Malaysia. In order, the thing is, uh, he is trying to get to the United States. So uh, in order to do that, we also we have to get like um, some other helps from the uh, they call themselves the IOM. The International Organization for Migration, IOM, is a United Nations agency that provides services and advice concerning migration to governments and migrants. We have to get into their their process uh, so that we can get into the United States. So my dad is also um, working on to work to get out of Malaysia as well. As you know, Malaysia is not also a really great place for family to stay. And my dad said that uh, he wants he wants uh, his child, you know, for their education to be better. So uh, yeah, as we all have heard, that United States is a better place for every people to get education from. So the idea was to get to the United States. That was the idea. How long before were you in the U.S. Embassy area before you were able to come to the United States? Six months, you said. As we are like uh, in the process of uh, like getting getting in uh, getting under the IOM. Um, so the U.S. Embassy um, ambassadors, uh, they already like confirmed everything from us and so on. We just have to decide like uh, where we have to be moving out, out to. And so as you as we as I have said earlier, my dad is uh, my dad uh, wants us to get to the United States directly. Why would somebody want to go directly to the United States specifically to avoid going to other countries? I think it's important for us to remember that technically Kim's father is a fugitive from justice and there can be people in other countries that might stop him or pull him off of a plane. So the best answer is for everybody to go directly to the U.S. What would it be worth to be sure your family was going to be safe? I mean, remember, we're working with government organizations, which takes time. Remember, we're working with a very real threat. So how long do you wait? How long does it take? We wait like around like a three more years. Your dad went from Malaysia to the U.S. and he applied to become a resident. Yes, yes. And so he had to be here for at least two years before he could um, become a, a, an official resident. At that point, he was able to bring his family. So that's where the three years you were. So you were waiting for three years. How old were you at that point? At that point, I, I turned like 16. 16 when you first came to the United States. So you now arrive, uh, your whole family's together. I'm sure that's wonderful because you really haven't seen your father for now three and a half years. Am I correct? Yes. Wow. So from 12 to 16, you haven't seen your father. I imagine that was a wonderful thing. 
Oh yes, it was definitely a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't even put it in words. <laughs> That's awesome. Kim's story could end right here, and most people would be satisfied. Terrible thing happens, family escapes, they reach the U.S. safely, the end. But if someone really wants to know what it's like to be a resettled person in the U.S., you need to hear what happens next. Now you're here, the culmination of three and a half years of, of just trying to get through it, because you, you were saying you, you weren't thinking about your future, you were probably just thinking about making it through the next day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're here. What changes? What happens? So the first thing that I was, um, that I, that they had me decide is you're still young. You still, you still can go to, um, and get education and all this stuff. Um, they put us in the ESL program, which is a learning English. Yeah. And then they gave us a tuition. They help us learn more about uh, English, which we really need. <laughs> And the church has played a whole part of the a whole part of our process to get into this in this learning United States culture as well. So you talked about the church being a big part of you learning American culture. What did that look like? So as you know, the church. Uh, when I say the church, um, I'm talking about a community that um, that they put me in, and yeah, they have been really <laughs> they have been really. Um, Patient, patient, patient with me. Even like how to use uh, with all those utensils. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yes. Why, why, why do you have, you know, five different pieces of silver on the That's side? That's right. Yeah. Why, why, why do you have this? Yeah. Why not just use your hand? It's like, God created that for <laughs> Right. You know where this was. Yes. I don't know where that's that fork that fork. Who knows where that's been? What was it like for you to become part of the Christian church here? Did you guys um, worship at home at first? Did you go looking for churches? I can't imagine that there are many churches that speak Myanmar around here. So, yeah, when I first got here, I wasn't able to get in any church at all due to um, due to the lack of my uh, communication and also um, not knowing any English. So, yeah, after a while, I am able to I'm able to get into churches. First of all, I went um, I went right around my neighbors. Uh, there's a church right there. I just went in there. They they ask us where we're from, and then and then from there on, how somehow they uh, they serve it through the internet to get print out in our language, uh, yeah, translated, and so on. From there, uh, I try to get more, I try to get more of their schedules of how the church or like how their community uh, works. Did you particularly feel like the Church of God came and welcomed your family? Wow, this is a really good question. <laughs> um, so to start with that one, uh, it's a really big changes from from one country to another. And I have to be introduced to a new culture at the same time. I would say those churches, they are very welcoming and they are the first organization who showed up to help us. And we're very thankful for all the hard works that they have and yeah, help us through. The most thing that I appreciate would be um, that the community that gets me into the church and that revive, that kind of revive me of what I believe in and that all things that I have gone through and that uh, that the people who reminds me of that uh, God has been good to good to me. Yeah, regardless of all the challenges that I will have to go through, but at the end, I see God's um, God's blessings every day. What are some of the mistakes that people have that people made 
as they're trying to welcome you and your family? The way that they welcome me, that uh, that I think that is a mistake, would be like uh, trying to just assume of what I would be good in it, or I would be. People think that I would just be good of myself, but they don't really think about that. Uh, I still also need a whole lot of things that I will have to learn about the friends that I really need. That who cares about me? Who cares me? And. As you're kind of like um, excluded from every activity or like you no know, every every other that they are doing. So don't make assumptions. Don't make yeah yeah basically don't make assumptions. Yes. Uh, back in high school, I played soccer a lot, uh, football. Uh, but over here they call soccer. I'm not sure why, but yeah. <laughs> no reason. It's okay. <laughs> and so yeah, and uh, how to say uh, yeah, my skin is way like a ten. Yeah, let's just say you're, you're yes. significantly darker than, darker than my Irish Polish skin here. So yeah. Yeah, and at the same time, I got my hair long, and so on. Now people people assume that I'm one of the Mexican that who plays soccer within the high school team. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's one thing that did anybody yes, like just come me. up and start start speaking Spanish to you? Yes, they do, and yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, some of them would even like uh, threw me some bad words. But <laughs> uh, okay, all right. <laughs> they thought that it, it's gonna offend me, but for me, I do not know any. Yeah, I of those still words, don't know so what you're saying. I was oh oh no, nope, <laughs> I don't good. know that. <laughs> Sooner or later, every one of our resettled friends asked the question, "Why did this happen?" For most of the people we serve at the inn. Their worldview says that it's a punishment or owing to the changing nature of the God they follow. For people that choose to follow Jesus, the answer looks very different. If God directs our paths. And it's amazing to me that you're sitting um, here in, in our studio. It's amazing to me that, that God uh, directed your path. So he's directed you here. What has he been teaching you? So God has been teaching me a whole lot, like in any in any way, like even in like even in the small things too. But uh, for me, even though I claim myself as a Christian, I'm not a I'm not perfect. When I first got here, um, I'm not sure if it is every Christian like who was uh, who might have thought it this way. We thought God as uh, one of the genie. We just we just wishes and we just want him to fill up all your blanks for you. But that's not how it is, uh, in my opinion, in, in, in the way I see God. Even getting here, even though it is a uh, blessing, even even though in a sense it is a blessing for like uh, for like some of my family, they thought this is, they thought this isn't uh, where we belong or they don't believe that oh, this is one of the blessings. They thought that this might be uh, one of the things that God, God just put us through for a challenge that we have to uh, fight it through. God teach me um, how to be more humble because uh, sometimes uh, when people compliments me, I would see myself as as though I com I completed all of it by myself, which isn't true at all. Yeah, and then God taught me a lesson uh, through all these years, uh, with all this um, all this um, all this way of life in the United States <laughs> uh, that you have to deal with, like uh, when you have to pay bills <laughs> and when you have to um, like. Um, when you have to get something that you that you can't afford, really, kind of like in a uh, like in a way, which would be like college tuition and everything. I think those are the way that God taught me, like, hey, you know, <laughs> you still need me. <laughs> you can't be on your own. Yeah, to be humble, and then um, also uh, God's plan for me is to be loving as well. 
and to to proclaim his name and not just by action and also um, proclaim it through the words like uh, we Christians we thought that uh, these actions only actions uh, would show like people about what God is or like um, uh, what you believe in but actually that isn't that isn't the only actually that is one step but you need to take the other step which is uh, to proclaim it with word this is the outcome we work towards for all of the people we serve that they would come to know Jesus and share the good news that gatherings of new disciples would serve others as God's church is planted if you were talking to Christians in America and wanted to encourage them how to pray for immigrants coming into this country, what would you say is something that they could pray for their neighbors from other cultures? So for other family or for other like immigrants, I, I would want to pray for them to have a strong heart, basically um, to to go through all the process. And um, uh, for me, I, all, I personally always pray for Pray for their hearts and then pray for them to know that there's somebody, that there's someone that they need um, who is um, above all, all things else that they, that they have to search it with those hardships that they go through. And then there's uh, like for like some other non-believers, they don't know, they don't know God or they don't really heart about God at all. And so, uh, so, so for like that, those people, I want to pray for them that, okay, I'll, Please uh, remind that there's God, that, that the word is not just about evil or about cars. Or some people they would believe it as a curse or of what they go through. Um, so yeah, I want I want them to know that there is like there's God that uh, who has been watching over us, and regardless of what you go through, the challenge that you have been through. Um, yeah, and I pray that God would remind them that He is He is still above all else. We started this with one question and. We at the end are praying it ends with you asking another, what is God asking me to do to welcome the nations he is bringing to our backyard? To learn more about World Team's ministry opportunities, go to us.worldteam.org and click go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click pray. To give to World Team's ministries, click donate. This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team U.S. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org. Music